mortgages are boring. Like for somebody who's not in the industry. For sure. Who wants to talk about amortization, what the interest rates are? I guess now. For sure. No, listen, that's why we only have like 500 listeners an episode. Mortgages are boring. (laughs) Welcome to the Excellence of Execution. Let's welcome our hosts, Paul and Dan. No, 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 no. <laughs> we are I back. Do, I never do the intro. I, I just wanted to you get just off the toes, you know? I, was, I, I, know, I, I took know. my breath to do season three, episode nine. I don't know if I had to join in or not. Yeah. <laughs> like, are we doing Listen, that? start from the beginning. <laughs> Normally, our, our guests are just sitting back waiting to be introduced, but here you are. Season three, episode nine with the first agent in Ontario that's not part of Clear Trust from Your Mortgage Your Way, the Mortgage Center. Lizelle, what's going on? What's going on? How are you guys? Thanks for coming in. Honored. I'm very honored. Brought, brought a Starbucks. That's I think she's really the nice. first guest to bring us like coffee. I'm just going to say, what kind of guests are you guys inviting if they're coming? Oh, out? shots I'm to like everybody. <laughs> shots to literally everybody. Do we, Max, do we have the <laughs> We were fortunate enough to meet you were at uh, the RBC Open. TD brought us all out and yeah. you do a lot of business with them and so do we and uh, shout out to TD. And so uh, we were able to meet there and we were just kind of chatting about how you were an underwriter and you made your way through and it was a really compelling story. We haven't had anyone that's gone from underwriter into successful broker. And so without jumping too far ahead, we'll, uh, we'll dive in into uh, what your background was, like how you, where you started, talk us obviously your journey through Equitable and then into where you are now. So give us a little bit yeah. of backstory on that. I mean, like right out of university, I went, I, I went straight to banking. So I was at RBC initially. And I was at the call center outbound. So I was that annoying person calling you like, hey, you want to open up a bank account? But I feel like I learned a lot from that job. And then I went to BMO and I was an account manager. And then from there, I realized that lending is was my passion. Investments, bank accounts, credit cards, like that type of stuff. I didn't, wasn't really interested in. But one of my clients worked for Equitable Bank and she was in HR at that time. And she was like, why don't you come join us? So she recruited me. And then I did a couple years at Equitable. I want to say maybe like four, four or five years there. And then I left to join another broker. Okay. I was kind of tired of being on the lender side. I'm like, I want to see what it's like to be on the broker side. What'd right. you do at EQ? I was an underwriter. The whole four years? No. So I started off as a fulfillment specialist okay. and then a manager and then an underwriter. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So you have yeah. that, you know, that experience. Yeah. You know what? I'm actually really thankful because being a fulfillment specialist, you learn how to look at documents. That's right. Right. Like that's like where I first started. I'm like, what does a bank statement look like? What what does it need to look like? Right. So, yeah, from there, I joined another broker just because brokers were telling me, like, come to the dark side. It's so much more fun (laughs) on this side. That did not work out. But your mortgage your way was one of my accounts at Equitable. So Shane Farrell, one of the partners, actually, it's funny. He texted me and he was like, how much do you hate your job? And I was like, who's asking? <laughs> yeah, I like the response. Uh, yeah, yeah, it depends who's the audience. Yeah, who's asking here? So yeah, so it was kind of, it was like seamless at that point. Like I met up with them. We just jived. And then, so I joined Your Mortgage Way. I think it was like in 2019. Nice. Yeah, 2019 as an underwriter. Okay. 
So at like that a, like time, an, I'm sorry for interrupting. Are you an underwriter for a specific broker? Are you an underwriter for the brokerage? Like what? What's the vibe there? Yeah. So that's what I was gonna get into okay, at I'm that sorry. time. Yeah. I don't know the vibe. Like I didn't meet you at the open. I was I was busy watching <laughs> I golf. I was, I was busy watching golf. Yeah. Well, Were you actually? I was watching the entire thing. Wow. I was, I was like a, one of my favorite days ever. I feel like you were like worth it to be there. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I had sixteen of like the of the beverages because they won't make doubles. Yeah. So I have to keep going back. Yes. Oh, uh, we kind of tricked them. We told them they wouldn't give us shots, but we're like, just pour a little bit of ginger ale in there and then call it. There a day. you go. There's the secret. <laughs> For next time. Too much of a squared DF. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> literally what you are. Anyway, um, no. So when I had joined them, they there's so there's four partners. Okay. Um. And two of them each had an underwriter. So this was the first time that we were going to, or they were going to try one underwriter for four people. For me, I guess the fact that I didn't come from the broker side, I just, I came from the lender side. So I was used to looking at 80 deals a day. Right. So I'm like. 80 a day? Yeah. Oh my God. But like at that time I was just underwriting the deals. I wasn't like fulfilling. We had a fulfillment specialist, but I would like review 80 deals a day. Right. So I was used to that. That was like my workload. So when I joined them, um, I was the only underwriter. And yeah, at that point, I was doing 80 deals a month, but like fully. Wow. Yeah, because you got to the, the biggest thing I think that uh, we don't give credit to when you're coming from a lender is that when you receive the file, it's already ingested in the system. Mm-hmm. Like here, you got to put all the data onto the system and it, it could be time consuming and then you got to figure out how to make the ratios work and then you got to put the notes in and and i find that to be very time consuming mm-hmm. and whereas you as the underwriter you ingest the information work the information and then kind of come back with your decision which exactly. is it's a lot more manual labor on this side so now you're doing 80 deals a month but you're you know a to z it's it's tough it's, right? yeah, it's really, it really tough. tough but yeah. i kind of like trained the guys it's funny because if you kind of look at it now it's almost like they were my admin at that time but it just worked right mm-hmm. because like i trained them to like get the application in because by the time i got the file it was all cleaned up for the most part like i obviously had to underwrite it and position it decide who to send it to. But from that point on, they didn't have to deal with the file again. So for them, it was like, yeah, I have to sit here and input the information, but then to not have to think about it afterwards, like up until funding, then it was worth it, right? Yeah. So yeah, so that's what I did in my first year with them. So transitioning before we jump into how you moved to being an agent. Mm -hmm. So you go there, you have the lens of approving or declining deals from the lender side and now you're putting things together was it a challenge learning the a side or because you came from bmo and rbc you kind of had that lens already because you're used to the b side right mm-hmm. equitable's b deal so how how is that transition being able to underwrite a deals or bank deals you know what i find that with um b lending it's a lot if you don't have experience in it it can be a lot trickier even though at the end of the day it's really just common sense approach But I think what people like the mistake that people make is they overthink it, right? You can't overthink it. So coming from the B side, I found A to be super like much easier. It's literally like a cookie cutter, right? It's like it has to fit in the box. If it doesn't fit in the box, then you got to take it elsewhere at that point. So no, it wasn't. I didn't find it challenging to do to do A. Nice. Any questions on that? I don't think there's a broker listening on this pod right now that doesn't resonate with by accidentally sending in NOAs and T1s to a B lender yeah. and having the deal canceled on them because they can't unsee what they've already seen when that's you're doing right. a stated income program. So exactly. You and know, you learn, thing, if you don't yeah. if you don't have that experience, 
then and you're used to doing ADLs, right. then you make the assumption that that's you right. have to send NOAs and T1s, that's right? That's right. That's right. But on the B side, when I worked at Equitable, I was like, I do not send me that. <laughs> so you never worked on Equitable's A insured business no. line, only B. Correct. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's Great. yeah. So that's a lot like the insured, insurable, conventional on the A side. Like that was very new for me. Okay. But again, like I said, it's pretty cookie cutter. I think the biggest challenge for me was um, like, what are the offsets that each right. uh, lender has, right? Yeah. What's the maximum properties each lender has? It wasn't so much like how to underwrite a deal, but like what, what each bank wanted to see. Yeah, what policies apply yeah, what to policies. each specific lender. Yeah, exactly. 100%. How many files are you underwriting a day for those four? Oh, you know what? To say a day, it's kind of hard, right? Because you okay. know, like some days you're like literally not doing anything. Some days you you have like eight files that come on your desk. So. Yeah. Like I think on average it was like around eighty. Um, on the slower months, we were I was working on like forty. Okay. On slower months. What's a regular like, day for Dan? Yeah. What's a regular day for me? Forty. Forty what deals? <laughs> uh, I think I fund anywhere from like I don't know twenty five to sixty deals a month. Yeah. I said uh, forty a day. So a I day. Like, oh, a, a day. day. I probably he my underwriter probably looks at like eight to ten a day. Yeah. You know the pre approvals, the scenarios, the yeah. you know the questions, queries. But what I really like about you is your attitude. Like you came in there and you said, you know what? Like I'm gonna take what I learned from here and I'm gonna apply it here and I'm gonna teach these guys that brought me in to help them how they should be more efficient. And you know when when you have an attitude that says, I know B. I'm not worried about A because I know B. Mm-hmm. It just makes your life so much easier and it makes it more enjoyable for everybody. So your attitude, I think, is a big part of why you're you know, successful. You know what? I have to give credit to the guys as well, right? Because they could have been like, no, this is how we want it done. And it would have been a, like a huge challenge for me, right? But they also kind of, they were okay to take the seat and let me take the reins and it worked out for everybody at the end, so... So yeah, awesome. sounds like a win-win to me. Yeah. For sure. So now walk us through how do you go from underwriting that many deals to becoming a mortgage agent? Yeah. Okay. So a top um, level mortgage agent at that. I never planned to become a mortgage agent. I joined the brokerage to strictly become an underwriter. I think primarily the reason why is I was like, I do not want to do sales. Mm-hmm. Sales is not for me. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Do that. Look so at you now. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So when I joined them, I was strictly an underwriter. I had no intention of becoming an agent. And I had a few people in my first year reach out to me and ask me to do their mortgage. So I spoke to the guys because obviously I have to see how they feel about that. And they were like, as long as our deals are not affected, for sure. Like, go ahead. Right. That was my first year. And within my first year, I did about 12 million. Um, While you were still still underwriting. Yes. Full time. Full time. 80 deals a month. Full time. That's crazy. Yeah. That's wild. But like that was just, I don't know what it is, but like even at Equitable Bank, that's like just my work ethic. You know what I mean? I like being busy. I just, it wasn't a thing for me. I also didn't even think about how many deals I was doing until like the end of the year. When, you were just doing them. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, do what you, you got to do. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, when I was told how much I did, I was like, oh, I did that. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my first year. Second year, at the end of that year, I spoke to the guys and I was like, I think I want to like dabble in becoming an agent. Right. They weren't too happy about it, if I'm being honest. But I mean, eighty deals a month. It's not easy to replace. You know, it's there's there's a couple there's a couple facets to that. Number one is that you're you know you're betting on yourself, which a lot of people won't do. Like they'll continue to do the underwriting so that they can collect their pay and then do their deals on the side to kind of top up. Mm -hmm. But you said to yourself, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to you know replace the income that I used to make by betting on myself. And then, of course, naturally, you know the boys that are are. You know, moving and grooving and, and shaking with you are now have to replace somebody who's 
you know, funding 80 deals a month. So I can certainly understand why, yeah. you know, they were a little sour about that. But you know what the thing it's is, a, though, is that they were, sorry to interrupt, no, no, it's all good. they were still, like, they were obviously not the happiest about it, but they were the most supportive. Support. It's, yeah, it's yeah. bittersweet. It's bittersweet because yeah. they want, they want to see you do well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they want, they brought you up effectively, right? Yeah. They, they want to see you kill it. And, uh, but at the end of the day, they got to focus on their business as well. So it's very, very bittersweet, like and, but it always, but it always works out to be amazing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, like I was saying, that was the first year that I decided to become an agent. Now, at the same time, I didn't want to put them in a position where I'm just like, okay, peace, I'm an agent. You guys are on your own. And then also partly for me, like selfishly, I, I gave them a year to find somebody. Nice. In my mind, I'm securing an income still. Like, I don't know, right? It's very new for me. For sure. So I don't know, like, what the deals are going to look like, how like how many are going to come in. And at the same time, I don't want them to be left high and dry. So that was in January that I made that decision. And then by May, I'm not going to lie, I felt like I was losing my mind. January of 2022? January of 2021. Okay. 2021. And by May, five months in, you're like... I'm like, I'm I can't tapped. do this. I cannot do this. I'm losing my mind. I don't know what to do. But it was like difficult because we were still trying to find an underwriter right. at that time. It's very, I'm sure you guys know it's so hard to find a good one. Very challenging. Daniel can tell you about that all day. Yeah, so hard. Daniel right? can tell you for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, I like as as much as I was losing my mind, I also didn't want to just leave them. So. But at that time, that's when I spoke to Roy and I was like, listen, we need to like really hone in on finding somebody because I can't, I can't manage anymore. And I don't want your deals to fall through the cracks because I'm focused on my clients. I also don't want my clients to fall through the cracks because I'm focused on your deals. Right. But I remember at that time from like nine till five, six, I would not leave my computer. I would sit there and underwrite all their deals. And then from six to like 10, I would work on my own deals. Yeah. So I was literally working like 12 hour days, some days. How are you prospecting? your phone's just naturally ringing or were you prospecting? Like, were you out pounding the pavement for deals? So here's the thing is that when I decide to join, that's a pandemic, right? Right. So there's no events. There's no like networking. There's nothing like that. So that's when I started using Instagram. Right. Um, I started posting on there, just letting people know like, hey, I'm a mortgage agent. If you need a mortgage, let me know, right? And I reached out to a few uh, realtors, financial planners through Instagram, right? And from there, I was able to kind of build my referral source. And then obviously, it kind of trickles off. I don't think enough people took advantage of Instagram during that period. It's free. It's free. That's what I tell everybody. I'm like, it's free. And everyone's at home checking their phone. Yeah. Steady. Yeah. That's That was the time. Well, you couldn't leave Remember? your house, right? Yeah, exactly. You couldn't leave your house. Like everybody was like, just what's everyone up to, even though everyone was just at home. <laughs> Literally, but you built, like you built, you started building your database and your foundation from Instagram, yeah. which is great. Like that's the type of stuff that I think is gravy for listeners because as people are starting to get out, I always said, and I've been proven wrong lately, especially with the last few guests, Andy, Carlo, yourself, a few others that are really using social is that I used to think that you don't get deals from social. I think you use it in a different way to start building that. But they're starting to show that as you build your brand on social, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, whatever the case is on all those platforms, you really can bring in business. Mm-hmm, 100%. You know? And, and I know we'll dive into that a little bit because I, I, I have looked at your social. I think it's very impressive, like just the color scheme. I think you go with a theme, right? I think you're, you're doing it purposely with what you're doing on there. But you started posting on them. So we'll, we'll head back to May now. So you're losing your mind. Tell Roy, we got to pick it back up. Yeah. And then do you guys find someone? No. 
Oh. So we didn't find anybody until September. We took someone on. We actually took two people on at that time. So I had to, I was the one responsible to train them, obviously. So I was now also training them, underwriting and doing my own deals. So again, I was about to jump off a bridge at that time as well. Right. But no, but the, um, once the girls kind of hopped on, I was still very heavily involved in the deals. They were doing like a lot more of like the admin stuff, but like fulfillment, like Lazal, like, how do you do this? Like, should I send this in? Right. How do I submit this file? And yeah, so, but that, at the end of that year in 2021, I did about 20 million while doing all of that, right? That's my journey. (laughs) I love that. And this year you're having, you're off to a good start? Yeah, this year, so far I'm at 25. Wow. So There we go, on pace to do 50. Yeah, on pace to do 50. I'd like to hit 100, but I mean, we'll see what happens. Let's go. (laughs) 100 million in the house. You gotta, you gotta dream big. Yeah, exactly. You'll hit it, it's not a problem. Yeah, it's definitely doable, right? But obviously, like. You can even do it before January 1st. Yeah. If I really hone in, I know I could do it. But you know what? Summer is a lot of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you scale? So 12 to 20, obviously, you have a ton of stuff going on. But like, since you've been able to focus since, let's say, the September when you kind of transitioned, this year, it's fully just mortgage agent. Mm-hmm. How have you scaled your business? What, what are you doing? Obviously, you built that foundation through Instagram during the COVID years. But what are you doing to get business right now? You know what? I, I'm like a firm believer that if you just do right by people, it'll come to you. And like, I've never, going back to me saying I didn't want to go into sales, I didn't want to like sell a mortgage to somebody, right? right? But I think like what I've done, and also I'm very blessed with how everything has worked out, but what I've done is I've just really, I've done well by people. So like my realtors will know that they can rely on me regardless. My clients, I do a good job for them. Their uncle's here, their their dad, their brother, right? right? So it's not so much... The focus like of what I can do to scale my business. It's just focusing and doing my job right. Right. That's like my main thing. You, and you still tagged on to realtors and and then from there it just grows. Word of mouth, doing well by people. Yeah. Uh, letting and everybody know that I'm here to help, which truly like the other side to that is I really do want to help somebody. It's not like I'm just saying I want to help you. Like if they're telling me like their situation, I'm like, how can I figure this out? Right. Right. So, so there's that. And you've also built very strong relationships with your realtors, Mm -hmm. right? I'm assuming that that continues to grow and they continue to use you because of what you built with them. Mm -hmm. Obviously you come through for them, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure they like working with you as well. That's extremely important. Well, like going off that, it's very important. I'm sure you guys can agree to work with like a good team, right? Not even just realtors, but like lawyers as well, right? If you have a good team and everybody handles what they need to handle, it's a seamless situation for the client. For sure. I obviously, I think one challenge that I'm finding is that, because you know when they say that you want to be, if you're a new agent, you want to reach out to new realtors. No shade on new realtors, but sometimes they don't know everything that they they need to know and they can make a deal a little bit more difficult than it needs to be. But with the realtors that I've worked with, or and even lawyers, like anyone that I work with, I just have to vibe with them. It has to work. For sure. One thing you told me that you mentioned during COVID when you were reaching out to people on Instagram. So how did you approach? Because that's kind of, did, did you know them from the past? Or are you just kind of reaching out? How are you, how are you introducing yourself to, to some of these realtors? Or how did you build that from the, from the ground up? I just kind of, I reached out to them. I messaged them, right? And I told them like, hey, listen, I, you probably have somebody that you work with already. 
But if they ever get too busy, let me know and give me a call and I'm happy to help. Right. Um, I, ha- I called a lot of them because they were interested in just talking. And I think what it was is, like I said, the energy, the vibe was there yeah. with the realtor. And like, I just kind of told them what it is that I can do. I'm here to help you so you can help me. You know, it's like a win-win so we can help the client at the end of the day. Reciprocity, you're vibing, you're creating that. You guys have the same energy and you're going at them with, here's how we can help each other. Yeah, versus- like no bullshit. Like yeah. this is like, this is what I can do for your clients. And like, this is what I can do for you to make your job easier. Yeah, so that's what- Good value prop off the start. I mean- I just think that you can't also neglect, you know, the amount of preparation she's put into the game. She was right. at Equitable Bank for four years. She worked for uh, high producing agents for, I don't know how many years it was, two years. Uh, you've seen literally everything under the sun. Like I can't put a situation in front of you that you can't figure out with your experience. So, you know, outside of you wanting to do right by people, you're extremely educated and prepared for this role. Yeah. And you've taken the time to do that. But that's what I was saying is that I'm like very blessed in my path. Yeah. Right. Because by the time, as much as I wanted to jump off a bridge when I worked for the guys and I was an agent, by the time that I fully transitioned to agent, I knew what I needed to know. Yeah. So I could just focus and spend my time focusing on how to build my book. For sure. Right. So do you want to just dive in um, to your social media strategy right now since you've been an agent? Is there something, is it just certain content you put out, any advice or, or kind of what direction you go? Because you have a great social media presence for sure, right? Yeah. You know what's funny though? I don't really strategize on it. Okay. What I mean by that is I initially started using it as a personal account. Okay. Right? So everyone that followed me knew me personally. Right. Everyone at the time that when I became an agent, everyone was telling me, you want to create another uh, professional account. And to me, I'm like, I, that doesn't make any sense because I am who I am. So if a client wants to work with me, they should know who I am as a person as well. Yeah. Right. So I kind of just created a few posts at that time. I um, connected with um, a photographer and okay. she's like now like my go to photographer. Nice. Shout out Liz. But shout out Liz. <laughs> shout out Liz. But um, <laughs> yeah. So because mortgages are boring. Like for somebody who's not in the industry. For sure. Who wants to talk about amortization, what the interest rates are? I guess now. For sure. No, listen, that's why we only have like 500 listeners an episode. Mortgages are boring. <laughs> it's only like when you post it and they'll be like, okay, I want to hear who the guest is, but they, yeah. they are quite boring. They are boring. And they're complex. Exactly. And we kind of get the back burner of it because even though we're the one getting the money, right? Like we're the ones getting the financing. Yeah, yeah. But like the realtor is the one selling the house. That's right. Here's this beautiful house that we have for you. That's right. That's right. And then I'm like, hey, I can give you money for it. <laughs> So I figured, you know what, like might as well like spruce it up a little bit and just like take a few fun photos, like tie that with like some information, like very light information for clients. But like the idea of me being active on social media is not necessarily to educate. I know that some people have come up to me and they're like, I've learned so much, but that wasn't my intention. Right. My intention was just to remind people like I'm still here and I'm doing mortgages. Just be present. Exactly. Just doing to be present, top of mind. I love that. Exactly. So what advice would you give either mortgage agents who are joining from an underwriter or bank position, or maybe those that are currently underwriting at brokerages that, that want to transition to being an agent one day? Like, is there anything that you would say to them? Because there's not too many that will go on and become $50 million producers as mm-hmm. underwriters. Like, let's be transparent. We've been in the industry for a while and underwriters will dabble kind of like what you did, right? They'll do 10 million, 12 million. They'll do both. They don't want to walk away, from, but you jumped from that. You bet on yourself. But mm-hmm. what advice would you give to anyone that's kind of underwriting or even if they're an underwriter at a bank and they want to 
come to the broker, the dark side, as you called it. Or <laughs> first you said dark, but then you said fun. Um, I mean, dark and fun can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So what advice would you give? <laughs> He's like, what did I walk in? Ben's like, what? Um, yeah, so what advice would you give? Uh, you know what? Ultimately, at the end of the day, you just have to, the biggest thing or quality that you need to have is you need to want to help people. If you don't have that, if you don't care to help people, you can try to be as successful as possible, but it's not going to happen, right? So in terms of advice, if you if you are that type of person and you know that you want to help people, just master your business. Ma- like, like sign up for anything that you can sign up for, right? Get a mentor. Get a good mentor. Good advice. I think um, I got very lucky with four mentors because I got to see like how each of them positioned their deals, how they spoke to their clients. And it just happened that way. But if you're an underwriter with a brokerage, you already have that. Yeah. Right. So take advantage of it. No, mentorship's huge. I know Max has Dan. I have Dan as my mentor. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I'm lucky. I have God as my mentor. Oh, I love wow. that. I love it. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> I have one more question. Uh, what are you looking at me for? Do you have any questions? No. Really? He's, he's hungry. That's why. <laughs> no, I'm good. He's hangry. You're good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, I got one last question. So Bank of Canada hike, clients are, obviously, there's a lot to take in. Market's going wild. Uh, what are you telling your clients or referral sources who are asking for any guidance right now from you? You know what? Sit tight. Literally, that's what I'm telling everybody. Sit tight. Obviously, if you're working, if you're like a realtor and you're working with clients to buy something, the biggest thing obviously is to talk to me and let me know because qualifying has changed. So yesterday the client could have qualified for seven. Now we're at 650 or yeah, 600, yeah. right? So I always say this because I actually do a few, I don't know if you've seen, I do a few lives on my Instagram, yeah, yeah. but I always, always like say you need to speak to a professional regardless, but like now, now so more than ever, right? Okay. Because there's so much changing in the market. Yeah, it's very nimble. Yeah, it's very, very nimble. That being said, though, it's still a great opportunity to buy. First time home buyers, people who have been waiting, right? People are like, oh, I'm going to wait until the market crashes. Well, we're in a correction right now. So this is the best time. I tell my clients, like, you don't want to focus on the rates, right? Because the rates are going to go up. They're going to go down. What you want to focus on is your how much can you afford on a monthly basis? That's right. What you could have bought or what you could buy today at 500 would have been like 800 three months ago. Couldn't agree more. So like, I know that there's so much media out there about interest rates going up, going up, going up. Like, don't panic. Everyone says don't panic, but like, like legit, don't panic. Talk to a professional. I love that. Well, it was a lot of fun. I don't know if there's anything you have, any questions for us or anything you want to add. I hope, I, I had a great time. I learned a lot. I think uh, it's, a, it's, it's an incredible path and something that we really uh, wanted to get out there. Because once again, there's a lot of, underwriters or even folks that that don't think that they can become agents they say they don't like sales similar to what you thought initially mm-hmm. and here we are today on pace to do 50 for sure 100 mm-hmm. if, if not this year the next year uh as i look at dan who's extremely hungry for some repeating i'm not hungry I'm, 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 no i'm not i'm actually i have a couple things going through my mind i just don't think we have any time left. yes we do we always have time okay i got two things okay cool uh number one is to build on your point about first-time home buyers i think it's also a really good time for investors right now because mm-hmm. not only are prices going down rents are soaring through the roof oh yeah so uh, i think there's ample opportunity right now and just as quickly as rates came down when we were in the middle of the pandemic it wasn't going to last forever and there had to be some sort of uptick in rates because we weren't we couldn't be in that environment forever right mm-hmm. so we're just waiting for that balance and i think we're 18 to 24 months out from there I- number two have you hired yourself an underwriter or an EA yet? 
Ooh. So I actually have an assistant. That's yeah. awesome. I See, hired there an you go. The assistant hired an assistant. And how <laughs> how, imp- how important has that been for you? Oh business? my god, she saves my life. Like I don't know what I would do without. Actually, I know what I would do. I was losing my mind without her. Right. The good thing is she's very familiar with the business as well. Yeah. She does a lot more of the admin stuff, which saves so much time in my day because it gives me the time to make the calls and do whatever I have to do. So when did you hire her? At what at what uh, production level? Um, I hired her earlier this year. So I hired her in... So between 20 to 25 million. Correct. And yeah. How has that propelled your business to now be on pace to do 50? If not, if you hone in to crack 100. It's given me so much more time, right? Like that's what I'm saying is that like, a lot of the admin stuff, we think that, oh, we can handle it because it's easy. So I don't want to hire somebody. It's not about that. Obviously, you can do it yourself, but you want to kind of task that onto somebody else because what you're good at, you need to focus on what you're good at. You need to give yourself the time to be able to do yeah. that. Do what you don't, do best. Don't, don't, don't change tires. Do yeah. what you do best and pay for the rest. Yeah, oh, there you go. Don't change tires, Daniel. Oh, I got so mad at him one day. Why? He wasted an hour and a half trying to change a tire. And I'm like, Dan, why didn't you just pay someone to do it? Yeah. And you could have got three deals in an hour and a half. Did you learn any lesson? I did. I'm not changing tires. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a side job with CAA. Yeah. So Literally. <laughs> Great two points, Dan. I appreciate that. You only spoke for two minutes this episode. You're super quiet. I was just so happy for you guys. (laughs) To be fair. No, but to be fair, I'm a chatty Kathy, so he couldn't really, you know. No, (laughs) you did great. That's that's what it is. I got in my questions. Dan just sitting there with his Starbucks, chilling out. He always just waits for his moments. He's very uh, opportunistic. I think think I'm opportunistic for sure. That's good. Yeah. Well, I had a blast. Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. We're going to have you back. Congratulations. 100 million. We're having you back, which hopefully will be early next year. But uh, you don't want to consult me before making that kind of thing. I think I I make the guest list, don't (laughs) I? And the questions. It's a done deal. I'm coming back. You're too busy to do I just show up. And and sometimes get a coffee for There you go. Right? There you go. Next guest, bring us coffee. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Thanks, Lizelle. Thanks, Thank Lizelle. You guys.